Hello, you're listening to Daniel Ball Wrestling. This is your AEW 2021 review, recap and results show. Finally, fans are back. Thank God for that. It's been apart from, well, WrestleMania aside, maybe a few few indie shows, whatever. Apart from WrestleMania and that, to be honest, was only like what? It was spread out, weren't it, in a big building. There was a lot of packed in This felt like the first show where you'd say, like, a proper wrestling crowd was back. And what a massive difference it made. It made a massive difference for us watching. You think from what, what we saw last night, well, this morning in my case, it made a massive difference to the wrestlers. You could see they were going that extra mile. They were just playing on things a little more. But, yeah, I think, I mean, it was just great, weren't it, 12 fans? But the first time, I was thinking about this, it was the first time in 15 months that these wrestlers in AEW have wrestled in front of a crowd. I know you can say, like, they've had, like, what, 500 at Daly's Place, 1,000, I think, maybe, for one or two of the shows. But they weren't really, they weren't really noticeable for us at home, anyway. For me, at least, anyway. They didn't really. Do you know what I mean? To me, that was still an empty arena crowd. Obviously, we had, like, the New Japan crowds, where, do you know what I mean, the clap crowds, which, to be honest with you, I think I've preferred the empty arena shows and the actual clap crowds, because all that we've seen is... It's just frustrating that then they can't make any noise except the odd clap. So that, for me, I've, I'm not a fan of the clap crowd. So yeah, it was great. I've been waiting for this moment to have fans back. Didn't watch live last night because, well, we was out on Saturday. Uh, turned turned 21 on Saturday. No, th- turned 30 on, on Sunday, actually. So went out Saturday night. We watched the Champions League final. No recollection of who won. Um, I was in bed asleep by about 11 o'clock. But yeah, um, so yeah, a little bit ropey yesterday. Blackpool, ah. Oh. Blackpool, Preston's biggest rivals, I can't believe I'm saying this, decided to win promotion at Wembley on my 30th birthday. So, yeah, great stuff there. Oh, at least we've got Preston Blackpool next season. But, yeah, back to the wrestling. I'm just trying to say, if you're listening to the show, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on YouTube, thumbs up. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it. Why is the Wi-Fi so bad? We'd appreciate a five-star review on Apple. Probably not for our video quality. Um, and if you are on Twitter, hit us up with a retweet. Um, so, yeah, so overall thoughts on Double or Nothing. I mean, I thought the show, I thought it, it was great. It was great. There was there was a few down parts of the show. Um, there was one or two. Just let me just sort this fucking Wi-Fi out. Seriously, you pay, I paid the dearest amount that you could for Wi-Fi. I'll turn the Wi-Fi off on my phone. Sorry, audio listeners, but hey. I never claimed or wanted to be professional, so maybe this will make a difference. Um, but yeah, yeah. So the show itself, I thought the show was it, it was a great show. I mean, I was messaging um one of my mates during the show, and I said, if these last two matches deliver, we're looking at arguably one of the greatest pay-per-views of the decade. I know that only spans 18 months. And half of that, well, most of that really has been in front of no crowds, but it I don't know, the show just felt completely different. Even the pre-show. I mean, the pre-show match was great, um, but overall, we got like three to four great matches and plenty of great moments. I mean, although I'm going to get into my thoughts on the main event later on, I mean, it was a great end to the show with Spoiler Jericho. Basically, if you did, if you could have pictured, if you just said like a year ago, six months ago, when this Judas song was first getting over, everyone was like, oh, why could this not be in front of live crowds? They'd be going crazy for it. So to have that first show back in front of fans end with... An entire building of people standing up, singing the Judas song while the inner circle stand tall. I mean, I thought that that was a great moment to end the show. And I mean, I've, I said, I've said numerous times, if you go back, well, about a year ago on the podcast, I was saying, look, when we first hear that packed arena singing Judas, we will know that this pandemic is sort of reaching touch wood its conclusion. 
Um, so yeah, um, so yeah, great ending to the show. I mean, the card, the card itself before. I think the card on paper, I was more hyped for Revolution than this, possibly even Full Gear the month before. And for me, the one thing I've said about AEW is I think the week-to-week -week TV show, for the most part, has been absolutely fantastic throughout the pandemic, really. I mean, it's kept a lot of wrestling fans going, while WWE's week-to-week -week TV, let's be honest, has been a bit of a chore to watch at time. I know a lot of people, well, at least in our circles, haven't been watching it, and I don't really blame them. It's been a chore to watch. I mean, SmackDown's been okay. But AEW been far superior in the week-to-week -week stuff. Now, my personal opinion is that AEW pay-per-views, although there's only been, what, four of them in the, in the pandemic. I thought Double or Nothing last year was great. But All Out, wasn't really the biggest fan of that. Um, Full Gear, wasn't really the biggest fan of that. We had a good opener to that. And then the last pay-per-view, Revolution, if you listen to the podcast, I think I was getting flamed by AEW fans when I was criticising that. But I didn't think that was the best pay-per-view either so I, I think the one thing that has let AEW down has been the standard of pay-per-views which is surprising because we all thought that they was going to be like the work rate the match rate the highest star ratings promotion but they really did come back with a bang with this show for me I mean I was one point during stadium stampede I was like oh no they've put such a great show on and they've almost sort of ruined it but the final half of that match did pick up and yeah but we're going to get into we're going to get into the pre-show match first. Just let me have a little drink of water because for some reason, for the first time in we're in what end of May, yeah, and in England it's not. We've not had any sunshine. It's been the worst May I can remember. I've been getting pissed on cleaning these windows. It's been pretty cold really for the month, but we've actually got for the bank holiday weekend like 24, 25 degree weather. When I finish recording this, I'm going to be watching Morecambe against Newport for a bit, and then go down to the pub for something to eat with my little girl. Um, but yeah, dear diary, um, the pre-show match was Rio versus Serena Deeb. Um, and I put in my notes, I can't believe that they actually, I thought, no, please tell me they're not going to put the whole show on facing nobody. I mean, opposite the hard cam, there was no fans, but they weren't, they were elevated. And you couldn't see him. You couldn't see him. I was like, oh, what are they doing? They had it perfect it's on Dynamite where you could see the crowd and the ramp opposite. And I was like, I can't believe they're doing this. But they got themselves. They were all right because they did change it for the main show. Whether that was planned all along, I'm guessing it was. Or Tony Khan, like me, thought, what the fuck are we doing here? But the match itself, um, Rio against Serena D for the NWA women's title. I mean, it was a really good match. Serena D has been, in these sporadic appearances she's had with AEW, she's put on... Some really great matches. They really need to try and get her on the, the full roster, really, because I think she, I don't know, I don't know what WWE were doing releasing her. I don't even really remember in WWE, but the crowd, the crowd were electric for this. We're getting dueling chance of let's go deep, let's go Rio. And straight away, I was like, yes, this pay-per-view is going to deliver because the, no matter what happens, this crowd are going to force it through. And uh, the match, sorry, it was just great action. Um, I think Dave, Dave had a Boston Crab. Rio gets to the rope. Um, and then basically the story was that Rio had a knee injury going into it and she just delivers, she's smashing Rio's knee into uh, the ring, bends it back and forces Rio to tap. This was after about 15 minutes of great action. I'm, as I say, I'm not on these podcasts that's like, then they did this move, then they did that move, then they did that move, you know what I mean? I'm assuming you've all seen the pay-per-view, so I'm just giving my overall thoughts. But yeah, it was a great match, a very good match to on the show, probably from my memory, probably the best buy-in match that we've seen. That's the whole point. They've always struggled with this buy-in. Since the first buy-in, uh, um, double or nothing, what would have been, two years, two, if that was only two years ago, two years ago, I can't think who it was. Was it Kip Sabian against someone? I think it was. It was Kip Sabian against someone. I was like, 
this match. It's not. It it didn't entice you to buy the paper. I think they might have had the Casino Battle Royal in it as well. It had Alex Marvez commentating. It was just like, this is not going to make anyone want to buy the pay-per-view. It was a really bad buy-in. I think they've always pretty much, they've never really had strong buy-in matches, but this this was where you've been on the main show. But they had the advantage, although on paper, Rio against Deeb, you really expect to be less over with the crowd than Britt Baker against uh, Sheeda. This match actually was more over than the crowd, and that is despite how over Britt Baker is. They did get into that match later on, but the crowd was so into this, and uh, yeah, Serena Deeb retained the NWA Women's Championship. Hopefully, we're going to see her a bit more on Dynamite. Now, to open up the show, I, yeah, I'm always a fan of these big, long video packages. We didn't get any of that, which is understandable. The first thing that you see, the sun shining, Packed Daily's place. After all these empty arena shows at Daily Place and the ones with 500, 600 people in, we've got a full building. It looks brilliant. We've got JR introducing it. No, say what you want about JR's commentary. I've said my bits on it. I mean, he's been, been in his little argument, Annie, where he said he's been getting flamed on Twitter for saying Randy Orton's um, a better wrestler than Kenny Omega. Personally, I think Omega, although I'm a big Randy Orton fan, Omega, it's not even close. Omega's had some of the greatest matches of all time. Randy Orton's had a couple of great matches against Mick Foley, against Christian, against Scenery had some good matches, but really, is there anything like, there's nothing, I'd say, above that four and a half star range. Um, but yeah, we there's the, we get it. First person out, Brian Cage coming out. Cage looks awesome in his like, machine-like outfit. Um, JR delivers a great line. Page and Cage will be in a rage. Um, yeah, I bet he thought of that all night. And then Hangman Page comes out, the guy who I feel like has possibly suffered the most from not having fans in because he was just getting so over after that revolution match and um, before the pandemic. And yeah, he look, they've like put him on ice. They've not, I mean, I think by now, if fans would have been in, we'd be getting to the point where he's gonna become the AEW world champion. I think we're going to be saving that. I think this is going to be the start of his role. And then maybe by full gear revolution next year, he's got to be the guy that takes the title off Kenny. Simple, simple. And I, I really want to be there for that match. Um, but yeah, the match is just, it's just insane. The, great, the crowd are so into it. We're getting crazy dives. Uh, Hangman Page doing moonsaults everywhere. Suit Page hits a suplex. I know we're not going to be a moves podcast, but it looks like we are. Page hits a suplex. Um, Cage hits a suplex to Page to the outside. Um, Cage goes for the bookshot, but Page, which was weird enough, but then Page caught him into, is it the F5, the F10 that Cage hits? Hits that, two count, uh, bookshot attempt, the crowd. This was like the moment I was like, that's for it, Pete. The crowd were going mental for this bookshot attempt. We thought it was over, but no. Um, Cage counted it into a suplex. Page lands right on his fucking head. I was like, I was on the end of my bed. I was like, this is amazing. Then I'm like, oh, no, you're going to ruin it with interference. Team tabs come out, which, although, like, I was like, oh, great match. Don't run into this. It did make sense storyline wise because they've been teasing this breakup with Cage separating from Team Taz. And they throw the belt. And that was like the theme of the evening, weren't it? There was three matches where belts were thrown into the ring, make like what you will. Maybe a bit of quality control. Wouldn't have gone amiss. But, um, yeah, so basically, they throw the belt in. Pay, Kate, well, I was getting confused in this. Cage didn't want any of it. Throws it out. He's arguing with Hook and bang, turns around into a bookshot lariat and Hangman Page gets his win back over Brian Cage. Great match. Absolutely great match. <laughs> if it had finished clean, I would have gone higher. I went four and a quarter. I thought it was... It was just a great match. What a fucking opener this was. I actually preferred this opener to the Page-Kenny Omega opener from Full Gear 
So, yeah, absolutely great match. And then we don't have time for a rest here. We go straight into the AEW Tag Team title match. Moxley and Kingston versus the Young Bucks. This was like the only match, I think, on the pay-per-view that actually got a video package before it, which I don't know. I, I had, I've been busy this weekend, so I didn't have time to actually watch all the uh, countdown shows and stuff like that. So I would have liked a couple of video packages thrown in. Um, but we only, I think this was the only one that we got. We got a little one in the Darby Allen match. But I do think, like, particularly the um, main event needed a video package. But Moxley's coming out. I was like, this guy is the man everyone aspires to be. He's coming out to wild things. The crowd are going crazy. Jack, someone's can of beer, necks it, smashes it over his head. Kingston's behind him, pissing himself. I was just like, oh, Moxley is. It's so crazy how it's just gone from, you look at Dean Ambrose, what he was like in WWE, the lunatic fringe, to this Moxley. It's just night and day in it. I mean, he's, he's going to have another world title reign at some point. Um, but yeah, this was great. The match itself, I did not expect it to deliver like this. I mean, must have been great for um, Kingston to be performing in front of like a big crowd and being as over as he was. That must have meant a lot. Um, but yeah, the Young Bucks are working over Moxley for ages. It gets a great hot tag to Eddie Kingston. Crowd are going mad. Um, there's just counters flying everywhere. Super kicks, countering paradigm shifts. Moxley, it's a paradigm shift on Matt Jackson. Uh, on Nick, sorry, Matt breaks it up last minute. And then the match after just crazy action for 20 minutes. It ends. It was a strange ending, but I didn't have a problem with it. They weren't, didn't look like the most, the most legit uh, BTE triggers, but they did hit four BTE, four BTE triggers to pin Moxley. It was a bit of a strange finish because like Matt sort of ran over and gave like just punched Kingston on the floor and then went back and pinned Moxley. So I was expecting him to kick out, which sounds stupid after four BTE, BTE triggers, but a incredible match. I think I was higher on it than a lot of people. I had a look on Grapple. I think there was like around 4.25. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. For me, match of the night, 4.75. Absolutely fantastic. This was exactly the sort of match that was just helped by fans being there. Everything, the hot tags, Moxley being as over as he was, um, Kingston being as over as the Young Bucks being booed as much as the were. I just thought it was perfect. It was perfect. Absolutely loved the match. So, yeah, 4.75. Next, Casino Battle Royal. Never really been a fan of these. They're probably too bit too complicated for my little brain. Um, but yeah, the, you've got the, the, what is it, the Kings, the Hearts, the Spades coming down, all that shit. Um, Christian, the first out, decent pop. I'm not going to run for everything because so much happened in this match. I mean, one thing that I will take, go back and look at the start when people are saying, oh, the acclaimed is shit. I was like, these guys are going to be over as shit when the fans come back. And Pat on my shoulder was fucking right. Max Caster comes out. He gets the pop of the fucking match. He's fucking rhyme or whatever on Christian not having his edge. Sidal slipping off the top rope. Dustin being ugly. Crowd are going mental for it. I was like, yeah, these two are going to be, they'll be baby faces. I said, they'll be baby faces in a year to 18 months and be tag team champions. And I'm sticking to that prediction. Um, another shout out, Penta. Penta came out and he was a lot more over than I expected. It's, this is why it's so interesting. We've not known, like we, we can predict who we think's over. We can read you can watch podcasts like this, see who people like. You can read on Twitter who people like or whatever. But until you put these guys in front of live crowd, we're not actually going to know who is over. We can just forecast it. Um, we get speaking of over Jungle Boy, um, Leo Rush debuts. I mean, I was still, I'll be honest, I was sort of thinking, come on, Brian Danielson, get your ass out there. But no, Leo Rush is out as the Joker, whatever that means. Um, 
But yeah, it comes down to Jungle Boy Christian. They have a great finishing thing. And this match for me, you could see the crowd. It was probably like 75-25 in favour of uh, Jungle Boy. And I'm thinking, oh, don't have Christian win this. I can just see myself going on Twitter tomorrow. Oh, Christian, 47-year-old Christian beating 26-year-old. If that's how old he is, Jungle Boy, 25-year-old. I think he's 25. Uh, so I think he couldn't give Jungle Boy the win, and he did. Great finish. He like, did like, do you remember at, at WrestleMania 22 when Mysterio goes for like the 619 and slips off the uh, the post? Sort of like that. Christian tries to throw him out, but he holds onto the post, swings himself round, gets back in the ring and hoists Christian over the top rope to win. Great finish. The crowd is singing the Jungle Boy song, which is AEW have just got these theme songs down to perfection, aren't they? They've got the Moxley Wild things, the Jungle Boy song, the Orange Cassidy theme song's great. Um, obviously Judas. So yeah, they're really getting this down to a T. I like the Battle Cry Kenny Omega theme song, but yeah. Jungle Boy wins and he's going to face Kenny Omega. Spoiler for the match later on. He's going to face the AEW World Champion two weeks on TV. And I can't wait for that match. That's going to be great. Hopefully it's in front of fans. I'm not, I don't think it is, is it? Um, I think so the taping on Friday live for Dynamite. So I'm guessing maybe they're going to do the um, taping for the week after the next night. Oh, that'd be stupid, wouldn't it? You really want fans to be there for that. They should have just waited. For me now, let's just have six weeks of Dynamite, which just just getting through. We don't need to waste anything. I don't really need to see a Kenny Omega Jungle Boy title match wasted. Let's just get through. The shows aren't on the usual nights. You don't need to go all out. Pardon the pun. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Battle Royale went 3.25 on that, basically, because I really like the ending. I'm not the biggest fans of these um, Casino Battle Royals. Uh, speaking of not being the biggest fan, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. Best thing I can say is I like the Big Ben at the start of Anthony Agogo's theme. I did this have a video package? I don't even know. Thank God that awful Snoop Dogg version of Cody's theme has gone. For me, I thought a go goal was fine, yeah? No problem with him. It's his second, third match, whatever, while on TV. I was fine with it. I thought he was fine, yeah? But the match itself didn't work. It was too soon. It's like you don't have Jade Cargill on pay-per-view now. I mean, we know Cody had the great match with Jade Cargill and Shaq, but crowd didn't care. I don't think it had any right to be on the pay-per-view. I know why they wanted to do it. If a goal-goal was going to win them, fair enough. But crowd didn't care. The whole feud of England versus of, of the UK or whatever versus the US was dumb. Cody wins with a vertebraker. I didn't know he used that as his finish. Um, I thought a goal-goal was fine. That was all I can say about this. I went two and a half. Yeah, it didn't need to be on pay-per-view. I don't think this was needed on the show. It was just to get... Do you know what I mean? It was harmless when it did go a bit too long. This was sort of the downward period. We had the Battle Royal, this. Miro versus Archer was fine, but I don't think we needed this on the pay-per-view. The lowest rated match for me. Next, we get Miro versus Lance Archer. Um, This was a good match. It was two big men kicking the shit out of each other, really. It was nothing to write home about. It was just your standard three-star match. It was good. Um, hard hitting. We got a crazy dive from March to start with, but yeah, I mean, the spot of the match really was Jake the Snake Roberts come out with his bag, which we're all saying was the snake in it. And Miro launches the bag, and uh, yeah, it's a huge boost from the crowd. And I'm glad Miro beats Lance Arch Lance Archer clean with the game over. And yeah, that's I mean, although it Archer's sort of been in limbo, hasn't he, since he joined AEW, I mean, he had like he's flirted with the main event for a few months and he's really they've really had that feud has he that he needs and um, this was thrown together pretty much at the last minute 
Um, but yeah, Miro right now, I'm more concentrating on him. He needs to be doing what they're doing, just running through opponents, keep feeding him opponents, have him beat them clean. That's what we need um, after all this pissing about for what seemed like forever since he debuted with Kip Sabian. Next, AEW Women's title match, Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker. Now, I'm thinking, in my head, I'm thinking the crowd are going to be buzzing for this, but they'd sort of been taken out of it by the last three matches. Um, I've got in my notes that the match isn't working, the crowd have died, which... I'm, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna stand by. I don't think it was working at first. It didn't seem to mesh well together. I don't know if it's because we'd just seen, well, I'd seen the Deeb um, Rio match, and obviously I was expecting this to be better. And I, I thought what they should have done was call an audible, have Sheeda retain, and then have. Do you know what I mean? There's so many big matches on this show that you don't want this to sort of get lost in the shuffle. Have this main event of Dynamite and have Britt Baker's big title win on Dynamite. But I'll be honest, they did. I, I, the spot that really took me out of it was when. Rebra, whatever, hits, inadvertently hits Britt with a crutch right in front of the ref, and the ref just counts the pin. Just like, you've just seen that. Do you know what I mean? What are you doing? But after that, this is a match where the near falls did help. They did help the match. We get a curb stomp by Britt onto the belt for a two. Um, Britt kicks out of the tom Tomahassi, is that what it's called? Uh, Shida's finishing move. And then we get Britt Baker tapping out Hikaru Shida with the lockjaw. So Hikaru Shida had this belt for exactly one year. She won it at double or nothing last year. She got to wrestle one match in front of a crowd that was pretty dead for the first half. They did liven up in the second half. Um, but yeah, the match itself, tale of two starts. Tale of two halves. First half, I wasn't a fan of. Second half, I was. It did pick up. We, it was a really nice moment at the end with um, Britt hugging Tony. Um, after, uh, Tony Schiavone, sorry. And I thought that was a good moment. I went... I think I've been a bit generous, but I went three and a half on it. But yeah, I was in a good mood. I was in a good mood. I do think it's the right move having the belt on Brit. Maybe you'll say she's a heel. Did she really need a big moment? But I felt like the crowd were going to be more into it. And I'm surprised they weren't because they were so into the Darby, Allen and Sting match that was next. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just... I don't know. Maybe it was just one of them where like Brit's really over, but they don't want to boo Sheeta. So it just... It was essentially like two fan favourites. I, I don't know. I'm speculating. But next we get... Darby, Allen, and is he 61, Sting? Sting's first match since Seth Rollins ended his career at Night of Champions in 2015. Six years ago, his first match in front of fans, he had that match at um, Revolution, which I've still never watched, actually. Uh, so, yeah, Darby, Allen, Sting versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. It was great, wasn't it? I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be this good. Sting takes a suplex on the ramp to start with. But he doesn't sell it, stands back up, sting a splash off the casino chip. The crowd are going absolutely fucking bananas. Um, yeah, this match, it was just great, weren't it? They worked on Derby forever, hot tag to sting, sting a splash on both of them. He hits uh, awkward cold red, but he hit it at 60 odd years old. Speaking of a cold red, he's doing something right. The crowd are going fucking insane. Um, we get a great spot where Darby Allen and Ethan Page are both in like uh, a death lock and a leg lock. And yeah, they're both slapping each other. This was great. And then the end of the match comes Scorpio Sky, goes for his finish on Sting. Sting counters it so smooth into a Scorpion death drop. One, two, three. Sting wins. People say Darby Allen should have got the pin. No, it was right to have Sting get the pin in front of fans on his first match back in age. I mean, I want Darby Allen Sting versus the Young Bucks. Are we going to see that at some point? I don't see why not. Um, but yeah, this is great. And it Darby Allen's so over. This thing with Sting. Finally, all those weeks of, wow, Sting's not doing much, is he? He's not doing much. I was one of the ones, like, saying it. But, yeah, 
it did in the in the end it finally like sort of worked out didn't it it did um but yeah really good match 3.75 and this and i'm looking at like star ratings i know some of you don't like it but hey you stuck with it if you're listening to this podcast but yeah so that we got the pre-show match i've gone three and three quarters the opening match 4.25 the second match 4.75 battle royal 3.25 cody versus a go go two and a half so that was the low point miro lance archer three sheeda brit three and a half Darby and Sting tag 3.75. So they're fucking high ratings, really high ratings. And as we're going to this double main event, I mean, a message my mate saying, if these double main events live up, we're going to be looking at one of the pay-per-views of the decade here, like I said at the start of the show. And I'll be honest with you, I thought one over-delivered, one under-delivered, but it still ended with a positive, which was the main thing. I mean... So, I, I mean, I spoke about this the other week. Kenny Omega versus Pac versus Orange Cassidy. Wasn't a fan of these triple threat matches are very reminiscent for me of ladder matches. They're just overused. Um, like, it's, it's a crutch, and it? It's a crutch for if we don't have an idea what to do, we'll do this. There was not really, storyline-wise, it was just a bit thrown together. Like, why are we having Omega versus Pac versus Cassidy? I mean, I think in the mind, they wanted Hangman Page versus Kenny at this show. Because they did that weird thing, didn't they, where Cage beat um, Hangman on randomly on a dynamite in like five or six minutes to take him off the number one ranking. So I do think that probably was the plan, and they changed it up. Um, I mean, I don't know. You don't want Omega to lose the belt this early. So it probably was the right decision, but just a bit of a shame, really. But I did say throughout this, the match will deliver. I mean, I would have preferred to see Kenny versus Orange Cassidy singles, Kenny versus Pac singles. I still wouldn't mind seeing that um, with a finish. It is opened. I think we need a big Omega Pack match maybe in the UK. Maybe we'll save that for when they come over here. But the match itself, I mean, there's too many moves to name. But seriously, this match was absolutely brutal. Brutal. Some of them were just suplexes, packs flying all over everywhere. Orange Cassidy proved he's a great worker in this match. Kenny Omega's top three wrestlers in the world. The guy's amazing. And Pack, Pack, who can say Pack is not top five wrestlers in the world? He might not have like the catalogue of world-class matches that say like an Omega and Osprey has, but this guy, if utilised correctly, he's, he's just fucking unbelievable, really, isn't he? Um, I mean, I'd say the killing each other. I'm not going to name all the moves. There were so many. There were some great spots in this match. Crowd are going crazy. You've got like Orange Cassidy, his hands in the pocket. Suplex is off the top rope. It was great. It was great. And then the thing is this, did I going into this match, we all knew Kenny Omega was retaining. There was moments in this match where in the moment you're thinking, Orange Cassidy's got this. Pac's got this. Um, so yeah, he just delivered. It was a great three-way. We've had two great three-ways at these big shows back which to me is still lazy, but I love the Roman Reigns edge Daniel Bryan match at Mania. And I'll be honest, I love this. Um, we get the orange punch to Kenny Omega and you just hear Don Callis on commentary scream, oh shit, 20 seconds, orange punch to pack and Callis pulls the ref off because a three-way, I didn't want to do, I heard some talk on uh, Alvarez's show where they're like, oh, AW needs to do three-ways without DQs. It doesn't make any sense. As wrestling fans were sort of taught to believe to suspend our disbelief, are we? So I will give them that, but it is a bit like, why didn't you just interfere from the start? But yeah, Callis pulls the ref off, no DQ. The crowd are chanting, fuck you, Don. And then we get this spot. I don't, I'm not sure if I've not really read anything on Twitter. I've just watched the show and come and plug my mic in, but I can imagine people not like it, but I think I liked it. I mean, Pac wouldn't release uh, Orange Cassidy out of the brutalizer, yeah. 
Kenny Omega's booting pack and he just won't release it. So he just thinks, fuck it. Double axe handle to the ref, to Remsburg. It made me laugh. Um, and then the best thing is, Don Callis passes Kenny Omega the belts. Oh, he's got four different belts and he nails pack with every single one of them. And then I'm thinking, oh, it's a bit of a downward ending, but it, it is like a decently booked ending. We get the orange punch on Kenny. Aubrey runs out. One, two, three. Omega tips him into the crucifix roll. One, two, three for the win. Exciting ending. So it was fuckery to finish with, but the ending was. It had you on the end of, end of your seat. Uh, the elite come out. I mean, I'm thinking, why didn't they just come out and interfere from the start? But um, yeah, there you go. There you go. Because they didn't interfere in like the Young Bucks match, which wasn't, do you know what I mean? It wasn't a fucking no DQ match. So yeah, whatever. I went 4.25 on this. A great triple threat match. Did This was probably the best match of the night, but I enjoyed the Moxley match a little bit more. Yeah, so two great matches. Two really, re three, the Hangman Page match. And the theme of the thing, people say what they want about the original Elite, guys. Hangman Page match, Young Bucks match, Kenny Omega's match, the best three matches on the show, which is a trend on these AEW pay-per-views. Um, Tony Schiavone's out next. And um, he's basically saying that for the AEW Rampage show, they have signed Mark Henry to be a coach and special analyst. So, yeah, get some big pop, make of that what you will. I think it's fine. Do you know what I mean? Mark Henry's got a good wrestling brain on him. Um, but, yeah, and then it's main event time, Stadium Stampede. We was in a different place, weren't we, a year ago? We needed that bit of comic relief, and that Stadium Stampede match was one of the best matches of last year. It was great. It was great. It pumps everyone up. It's one of the matches you go back and watch again and again. The whole feud with the pinnacle and the inner circle was like, although it's been going on for ages with MGF, it felt rushed. Obviously, we had the uh, Blood and Guts match, which was controversial. People didn't like the finish. I was on the fence about it. I didn't hate it. I won't say I liked it. Um, but, I mean, I was sat there starting this match thinking, are they stupid? The first show back in front of fans and the main event's in an empty stadium. Terrible decision. We didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see it, but they sort of redeemed themselves by having the match end in front of fans, which was pivotal. I would be on this podcast shitting all over this match, questioning the judgment of management for this because it would have been a terrible decision. It took me a while to get into it. We got MJF and Jericho fighting. We got Hager and Wardlow fighting in a freezer. I mean, as a vegetarian, I could have done without the sliced open pig in the middle of the freezer, but hey, whatever. Um, then we get, what do we get like? Proud and Powerful with Revival in the bar. It's just going on forever. We've got Ager Chokes having Ward off a golf cart. Jericho um, hitting MJF with a cardboard cutout of Shad Khan. Stapling a thank you thing to his head. I mean, there's like the Jackson ja the Jacksonville Jaguars coaches or whatever in there. I mean, it sounds all all right, doesn't it? But I just couldn't get into it. And then we get back into the arena. Thank God. I wanted to watch this entire show in front of fans. Yeah, and then it gets good. Jericho smashes MJF through something in the top tier. They tease throwing Jericho off the balcony. And then the end of the match, and I'm thinking, do you know what? This makes sense. This should be about Sammy Guevara. For me, I thought it should have been Sammy Guevara pinning MJF, but they must not wanted to do that for whatever reason. We get the throwback to last year. Obviously, Sammy Guevara in that iconic clip gets hit by the golf cart by, was it Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy? Yeah. I think so. Um, and then so Sammy runs down uh Sean Spears, and then yeah, I was I say I was ready to shin it, but we get 
a little three to four minute match with Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears. I wouldn't have been thinking that would end the first pay-per-view back in front of fans. But forget the match. It wasn't great. It was all about the moment. Sammy Guevara wins the match clean. He gets put over huge, put over huge by winning this. It keeps the inner circle alive. I only remembered halfway through the match, the inner circle's career were on the lines in this match. I mean, the careers are on the line. The match was like a comedic match for the first part, which I'm not a fan of, not a fan of at all. Um, but yeah, Sammy Guevara winning the match for his team was great. Puts him over big. And then, as I said at the start of the show, let's go full circle. The show ended with the inner circle in the ring, fireworks going off, a packed building singing the Judas song was perfect. It was a moment that we're going to remember, which summed up the show. We got the Sting coming back and being great moments. We got like the Kenny Omega ending moment. We got Britt Baker winning the title moment. We got the Inner Circle winning to go off air. Jungle Boy winning. The night was full of great moments and great matches. So I ain't going to come on here and complain about not liking the first half of a match, not liking a Cody Rhodes match. This was make no mistakes about it. This was a fucking brilliant pay-per-view think, although I was a big fan of WrestleMania, I think it it was it was better than WrestleMania was. If we're being honest, it was better than WrestleMania. Though I loved WrestleMania. Do think this was just a better show. And I was thinking watching this might be controversial. I don't think, don't think WWE could put on a show with such a high standard of wrestling on it. I don't. I don't think you're going to get a WWE pay-per-view with, what, three four-star-plus matches and, like, three three-and-three-quarter matches. Just don't think you're going to do that, which is fine if that's... Just let me get... Well, let's see what the poll's saying on Twitter. That's fine if that's not what... You know what I mean? If you want the more of the entertainment side, I do think AEW, as I've said, if they can deliver on these big pay-per-views, and they've just got it because Dynamite is just fucking brilliant at the moment. Um, so, yeah, fucking hell, I'll turn my Wi-Fi off on us so it's not loading the poll, but... Yeah, Dynamite's been brilliant at the moment, but this show itself, I mean, look at what it's done. It got Jungle Boy over big. Britt Baker over big, Sammy Guevara over big, Hammond Page gets a big win. These guys are the future, the present. They're all in the mid to late 20s, yeah? Hammond Page is not even 30 yet, I don't think. So these guys are going to be at the top of AEW for the next 10 years, and they all got big wins on a big show. I mean, I hate people. Oh, you can't compare it to WWE. Well, I'm fucking going to, right? You're not going to see a WWE pay-per-view where four people in the 20s and early 30s all go over big and win that's one of the key differences of why AEW is better than WWE. I'm sorry. I've pr I've praised WWE for their pay-per-views, yeah? But AEW's better than WWE. Simple. I don't see how we can even argue, dispute it at this point. If people like WWE more, that's fine. I like WWE. But if we're being brutally honest, honest, AEW is better than WWE right now. And it's not even close. Not even close. As long as AEW can sort these pay-per-views out, which it seems like they can, then yeah. Big win. So a big thumbs up for the show. And yeah, I'd say I was really happy with the show. Great to have fans back. I mean, I'm just going to fucking connect my Wi-Fi, yeah? If it fucks up my um, connection on YouTube, then so be it. Right, two secs. Right, let's see what this poll's saying. So I did like, what do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down of the show. And if Twitter loads, which it has, we've got 87% of you thumbs up. 13% thumbs down. So 13% of WWE fans have decided to vote in this poll and 87% of wrestling fans have voted thumbs up. Uh, but yeah, great show. We can all agree on that fans are coming back. WWE are back on tour in July. AEW back on tour in July. June, let's be honest, 
is an irrelevant month in pro wrestling. It's irrelevant, it is. And I'm glad because the Euros are on. Do you know what I mean? Things are sorting, getting back to normal over here. So, yeah, I will do a couple of podcasts in that time. Um, I'll update you all on Twitter for that. Thanks for the people who I've seen a few people retweeting. Someone might put a post up saying, oh, what wrestling podcast should we listen to? And quite a few people tagged us in it. So, yeah, appreciate that. As I say, I, I can't, I don't want to promise to be like, consistent if that puts people off that's fine but continue to support us when i grow up when i'm about 40 in 10 years time you'll be getting four podcasts a week i might be married miserable and instead of wanting to go out i want to plug the microphone and talk about wrestling because i'm sick of my annoying wife and well uh, i'm not sure if i'll be having any more kids but yeah but my kid will be 15 then so she won't be interested in me probably then so yeah basically stick with the podcast I ain't going anywhere. That was your AW 2021 Double or Nothing review. I promise you in 10 years' time, I'll still be reviewing this. Stick to the channel. I mean, if you want to watch the vlog of WrestleMania 35, that's some great video footage. We've got three hours of footage at WrestleMania 35. But I'm already looking at tickets, potentially, if we're allowed to go all out. Maybe. I'm not sure if we'll be able to do it full gear. But, yeah. We'll be doing vlogs next year at WrestleMania 38. Is it 38? Jesus, it is 38. WrestleMania 38. And hopefully this time next year, I will be at Double or Nothing. So, yeah. Great show. Really enjoyed it. Fans are coming back. July can't come quick enough. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Subscribe to the channel. Retweet the podcast. Five-star review on Apple if you think we deserve it. Even if you don't think we deserve it. Be nice. Right. See you later, everyone. Thanks for listening. And I will be back. At some point.